0: Welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK Podcast. I'm Rhys and I'm joined today by...
1: Justin this week.
0: Just Tim. Tim. That's Tim, not Justin. We haven't got a Justin. We're not that cool. <laughs> um, the, the Formula One World Championship uh, has finally been won by Max Verstappen. Um, we're not surprised. We called it in Spain. So um, well done, Max, and uh, well done, Jos, for leaving me at a gas station. We never know what could have happened if he was not such a terrible father.
1: Oh, come on. He's he's raised a, a child that's won three F1 titles. If, if it took leaving him at a gas station. Um, I'd, I'd do that to my son if it wins him three world titles.
0: <laughs> well, uh, well, a member of the podcast is missing today because he's uh, he's dealing with father duties. Um, we've, uh, we've just said, Dan, next time leave the kids at a gas station, you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> well they'll be fine. But um yes, well done Max. Um it's a shame that Perez couldn't have won the sprint race and taken it to the last race of the year by winning everything else. But um And Max not <laughs> finishing anything,
0: yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh,
1: But they, they could have swapped uh Liam Lawson in for the rest of the season, couldn't they?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that would have
0: been interesting. Um... Can Max win in an alpha towery? There's the moment
1: of truth. Um Well no, Max can just take the rest of the season off now, can't he? There's there's no more European races, so the Orange Army isn't going to be anywhere.
0: Well, he's going to be, he's going to have to race in Brazil.
1: Oh, yes, of course he will. Yeah. I don't think the in-laws would be very happy if he didn't.
0: Yeah, and I mean, all the other races he'll have to be at, because now Oscar
1: Piastro is a race winner. Kenny Piquet's going to be after him. (laughs) I saw that meme. That was uh, rather funny. Anyway, we're off the air in Brazil. (laughs) Yeah,
0: we're off the air in Brazil. Um, It's okay. We all, we all know our favourite Brazilian is uh, Lewis Hamilton. Um,
1: <laughs> my Felipe, baby. Uh,
0: Felipe, you're not my favourite Brazilian, but I'm sure in 12 years' time you'll take it to court, so you make sure that I am
1: who you are. <laughs> uh, the sarcastic comments are flowing, aren't they? Um, yes, well done, Max. Three world titles, the most convincing and most dominant, let's say, Since of Schumacher. the Oh, I was going to see if the three that he
0: won. Well, that's yeah. Of the three that he won, (laughs) do you mean Cost Cap Gate, Massy Gate, and then this one, which he's actually won, you know, convincingly with the help of the fact that he—they are a one-car team.
1: I I would argue that this one is still Cost Cap Gate. They're all Cost
0: Cap Gate. They're all Cost Cap Gate until 2026 because they got an unfair advantage from spending too much money in Uh. year one.
1: Uh, what anyway, was, what, we're not here to what talk was, about what that. What's the argument that I saw? Um, it doesn't count as a championship because he won it on a sprint race. <laughs> 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 Embrace the sprint races.
0: Yeah, I like the sprint race. The sprint race is good. Um, Tim, who's the only ever driver to win the championship on a Saturday?
1: Oh, it's going to be back in the days when they had one point for a fastest lap on a Saturday. Are we going right back to the start of the sport, like the 50s? We're not
0: going, no, we're not going that far back, now.
1: Oh, OK. Um, let's go Nicky Uh
0: No, it was Nelson Piquet.
1: Oh, was it really?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yes, we'll talk about the sprint race. But before we get onto the sprint race, there's a a few bits we need to talk about that happened before the sprint race. Um, qualifying for the Main and Grand Prix, it was dominated by track limits. Both McLarens having lap times deleted when they were... You know, flying. They were the only ones who could challenge Verstappen this weekend, and uh, Norris got two lap times deleted in Q3, which led to him starting tenth. Um, but then it turns out the driver shouldn't have been going that wide anyway, because the tyre manufacturer of Formula One, Pirelli, uh, couldn't make tyres that were sufficient to deal with the track conditions, temperature, all of that. You know, just what you expect from the uh, sole tyre manufacturer of the world's premier four-wheeled motorsport
1: uh come come I, I i will give karate some defense here because i don't know about the sh- narrowing of the track that they did prior to sprint qualifying
0: Was well, it before sprint qualifying before before sprint qualifying they narrowed the track at turns 12 and 13 by 80 centimeters or um if you're logan sergeant they narrowed the track by the width of around one washing machine <laughs>
1: Oh, don't don't uh, don't shit on Logan. Um, he might have been the the one that he might have been the one that saved a major incident. Or imagine if one of the drivers who had been kept going for the whole of that race had fainted passed out at the end. We'll we'll, we'll get on to this. Let's not go for Logan. Anyway, back to go to the sprint qualifying.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, they narrowed the track. You're you're saying you're going to try and defend Pirelli. But I'm sorry, I won't defend Pirelli, because they knew that this track was hard on tyres from 2020 when they raced in Qatar. And what happened? Oh, sorry, 2021. And what happened? Well, there were late tyre failures. Bottas, most notably, had a late tyre failure. They know this track's hard on tyres, and they've come back at a point of the year where conditions are much more extreme on the tyres, on the drivers, on the cars, everything. And... They narrowed the track because they had concerns about tyre wear. They said it was because of the curbs. But what then happened after the sprint race was further concerns where they then lowered the maximum use of a tyre to 18 laps.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to defend Pirelli a little bit. Tyre wear and the surface of the tyre under the G-forces was not the issue. What was the concerning issue is something that they'd never come across before, which was... The new curbing that has been laid on the Qatar circuit, they were being called the concrete pyramids or the concrete Toblerones, which, as you can imagine, at 150, 170 miles an hour through some of those faster corners, if you're driving over concrete Toblerones or running your tyres up against the edge of a concrete Toblerone, the the sidewall of your tyre is going to take a big impact. And these types of curbs have never really been used on an F1 circuit before. And it wasn't a worry that the tyre wear would fall away in the heat, that the tyres would structurally fail from the point of view of the G-forces in the tyre wear. It was the actual contact of the concrete on the sidewall of the tyre that was the concerning issue.
0: Yes, but then you have what the drivers were saying, which is, get rid of the sleeping policemen, put these curbs in at Austria.
1: Well, maybe we know why they were never put in Austria.
0: Well, I feel like Pirelli, they would have known. And
1: <laughs> what, what I, yeah, saying, I do the, agree the, the with you that Pirelli the, should have researched beforehand, because it's not like FIA haven't the FIA World Championships haven't driven their on Pirelli tyres since the track was redone.
0: Yeah, they can say they're an absolute mess. Per I, I say bring back a tyre war. This was the biggest tyre fast we've seen since that uh, that day in Indianapolis.
1: And didn't the FIA and F1 deal with it so much better than that day in Indianapolis?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that was only because, because we got a, could have
1: we got a, put a chicane in. Because we got a full race on, got on, race on the pre-agreed layout of the circuit. Yes, with 80 centimetres difference, but not massively different layout. And um, we got a full race in. And do you know what? Who didn't love seeing Alex Albon lead a lap?
0: Uh, well, by the end of the race, I don't think Alex Albon felt too great about it. <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll go. We'll go back to the um, sprint race. We'll go back to the sprint race because my goodness, what a sprint race it was! Bit of carnage always helps. Um, a rare mistake by Liam Lawson, of course, uh, kicked off the safety car proceedings. Then Logan Sargent doing what all Americans, you know, struggle with: turning right and going off. <laughs> a bit. I, he lost it in the wind, and the, the wind and dirty uh, yeah, air was an issue. But then that doesn't really come close to what was the third safety car where um when we watched this for the first time the initial thoughts were for goodness sake perez what have you done this time
1: i was wondering what has nico hulkenberg done to perez in a previous life (laughs) (laughs) after recent weeks
0: it was i mean you got torrid luck but then the damage of course led to perez having to start from the pit lane in the main Grand Prix Oscar Piastri Oh man The kid's good
1: Falling in love with him It's just <laughs> uh, He's quickly becoming One of my favourites On the grid
0: He's full of talent A lot of charisma And um, It stings that he's Beating Lando To the first win Even if it is Just a sprint race Oh it's blooming nice When someone beats Verstappen <laughs> I don't care But he
1: Also he was so Composed you got Matt yeah. Verstappen Bearing down on you Yes. Uh, maybe not had the best of starts to the race for Stappen with the wheel spin but he's bearing down on you in that car that has been so much quicker over so much of the season than everything else on circuit and he didn't put a foot wrong we'll get onto the main race as well just all weekend he was the lap that got in the sprint pole was probably one of the best laps of the weekend by any driver and if the sprint shoots out live but I did get to watch that lap back oh was a um,
0: phenomenal lap
1: yeah, it had to be to beat, that, to beat Max in that Red Bull.
0: But also, the intelligence of him. In the safety car period, in the sprint race, do you know what he was doing? No. He was cleaning his grid spot. He was going down the right-hand side of the track to clean his <laughs> grid spot. Only one other driver did that.
1: I did not see pro- that at all. You Are can you can sure he just guess... wasn't trying to make break the toe?
0: <laughs> no, it was only under the safety car. Under the safety oh, car, he no. was... He, and one other driver, Fernando Alonso, who we know is a chuffing genius, absolutely, you know, just his experience is well ahead of his age.
1: Yeah, he's a a real, real talent. And I think that this is the start for him, isn't it? It's fantastic to see. And I know that Lando hasn't won one yet, but Piastri is going to be looking at these remaining Grand Prixs and thinking, We are getting so close to that Red Bull now. Any slip-up, any mistake, and I could be the ones to really take advantage on a Sunday.
0: But this has been huge this weekend for McLaren. They are absolutely going to take fourth place in the World Championship, in my opinion. There's no doubt about that. They're against uh, a one-car team in Aston Martin. The performance of Piastri and Norris, it's so consistent. It's, what, three podiums in the row for Norris now? Yep, and two for Piastri. Two for Piastri. It's incredible to see how McLaren turned it around. When you think oh no, where sorry, they two, were.
1: two in three races for Piastri, because he didn't get one at Singapore, did you? Oh no, he got one at Suzuka.
0: He got one at yeah, Suzuka. Yeah, I forgot Fist, Suzuka How dare you? It's <laughs> blasphemy in these Tabats.
1: There's been a lot going on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, Piastri, fantastic. Norris, equally brilliant, just without. As much success, but McLaren, I tell you what, that that I've not seen a turnaround like this in quite some time. I mean, Mercedes struggled at the start of last year, we know that, and they went on to win a race. They were nowhere near as off the pace as what McLaren were in Bahrain. But to think where McLaren come from in Bahrain, there's not been an improvement like that. And if it carries on into next season, we could have an absolute belter on our hands. Um because these kids don't back down against Verstappen. That's the other thing that we've seen, which is
1: fantastic. Yeah, shall <sighs> we um move on to Sunday?
0: Let's move to Sunday. Sunday's race, um, pros and cons of the eighteen lap format. Pros, it meant the drivers had to do qualifying laps for fifty-seven laps. Cons. They were doing it in conditions which were completely unsuitable for doing fifty-seven <laughs> qualifying laps.
1: It was a tough old day out there, wasn't it? On the Sunday of the length of the race and the constant high G-force, the high speed. I think it was, there's only one corner that's fourth gear on this circuit and every other corner is fifth gear or higher.
0: That corner being George Russell corner.
1: Oh yeah, some great moves from Georgie Russell. Great move, big move that one. Big move that. Yeah, again, and we'll get onto this later, passing Sergio Perez through there.
0: (laughs) He passed half half the grid through there. Was it turn Um, six, the left-hander? Turn six, yes, the left-hander. But anyway, there are some really big concerns here, um, which the FIA are having to deal with and um, have said that they are looking into it and trying to figure out what they can do. Um, Not racing in the Middle East at one of the hottest points of the year is probably one of the better ways to go about avoiding these situations.
1: Can I just run through? I've got a list here. You've got a list. That we know so Esteban Ocon threw up in his helmet on lap 15 so he drove 42 laps with thick flowing around his helmet
0: well it's probably just trapped on the underside the side of his um his balaclava but you know not pleasant I would
1: argue that's even worse
0: <laughs> yeah I'd say that's much worse
1: <laughs> yeah so 52 42 laps of thick in his helmet then obviously we had Logan Sargent I felt so sorry for him. He's in a position where he's driving for his career and you, you heard the anguish in his voice and the desire that he wanted to keep going. I think we, we all agree, right? Retired with heatstroke. He retired with heat stroke. Yeah, and also, again, sick in his visor, which did not look very nice when they showed the... yeah FIA TV director, whoever you are, or F1 TV director, when a man is seriously ill and it's just been fighting for his career don't give us a close-up of his face from the inside of his cockpit it was a not a nice sight to see and he probably won't like seeing those pictures shared all around the world as he's fighting for his career yeah he's fighting for his career has he not been renewed no he hasn't yet he's not been renewed yet wow nope Change vowels wants him to be removed, but he said Logan's got to show them something in the next five races. Um So we'll move on to the next person, which was, who else was it? Um After Lance. the finish line, Lance Troll. After the race, pulled up next to an ambulance, uh, walked straight over to the ambulance crew, said he didn't feel well, and was then, I believe, taken to the medical centre as well.
0: Well, we say walked straight over. It was the slowest walk straight over I've ever, I mean, Remember when Hamilton hurt his back in um, in Baku? Yes. Poor it to took think. Lance Stroll longer to get out of the car than it did Hamilton. Then, when he couldn't he couldn't yeah. stand, he was he was leaning over, hands on the tires, and yeah, goes over to an ambulance. Yeah.
1: Um, what you then had is you then had in the pre drivers room, you had Oscar Piastri and actually Max Verstappen when he first went in there, both laying on the floor, and they were both saying how exhausted they were.
0: Lando didn't look well either.
1: Yeah, Lando. I think Lando took longer to get in there, so maybe he's got no. Lando. Founder.
0: Lando was in the chair when. Yeah, but he got he, in.
1: Oh, was he already? He he was. Def, Piastri was definitely first in there and on the floor when the other two arrived. But yeah, um, it was a tough old day. Um, there's been rumours about one or two others that went what, as well. Alex, Alex Albon, Albon reported himself to the medical centre.
0: He did you see him trying to get out of the, of the car?
1: Yeah, he had to be. He helped. He couldn't get out he? on his own. Yeah, he had to be helped out of the car saw somewhere that Gasly wasn't in a good way. Uh, Fernando Alonso had a burning bottom, which although maybe... Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I,
0: I, I don't know if he was uh, burning with the temperatures of the car or burning with envy over Travis Kelsey stealing his girl. Ah. <laughs> Poor Fernando. <laughs> 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 He'll shake it off.
1: Oh, God, we're not
0: back to again, are <laughs> we're we? are not back to that. No, we're not back to this. Um, no, but it brought up a good point, that. Um, Fernando Alonso wants to be cooled down. Um, the team aren't even allowed to throw water on you anymore because it's classed as adding it extra weight to the car.
1: Oh, it would have been it would have been evaporated within a couple of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would have made much difference to him. It was a very, very hot day. Um, I'm sure there will be one or two other drivers who reported in sick that we haven't been told about as well. Um, Lando Norris said that several of them were ill in his written media press conference.
0: Well, yeah, I, I wonder. Now, I don't want to make excuses for him because he's had a torrid time of it. But I wonder if Checo was one of those, because I can't see how George Russell could come through the field as well as he did. But Checo struggled as much as he did to come through the field. Uh, and it wasn't uh, like it, it did seem like he was making progress <laughs> at first and then it just
1: stopped. Yeah, you're uh... You're tickling the nerve here, Reith. I really want to go with
0: this. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just wrap up we'll, on we'll the... wrap up the heat and then we'll have a go at
1: Checo.
0: Yeah, there's, um, it's a concern when it happens as much or it happened to as many drivers as it happened to. I think Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton probably feel like they dodged a bullet. Oh man, I don't know. I mean, I look at how many drivers struggled. Lance Stroll said that the dizziness was the reason for his his frequent late race penalties which of course perez yeah, he, said, as he well. said he
1: had blurred vision on the exits of several of the corners coming out of the g-forces which you do he, not want to hear from any driver
0: yeah because he perez and gasly all picked up multiple penalties i believe yes. late in the race it's not good one thing that was raised was oh how comes indycar put these cooling ducts on well the reason that indycar had these cooling ducts is because they had the aero rather than the halo there is no natural ventilation you can't be george russell and putting your hands on the wheel down the straight to try and get some air into your suit
1: yeah Esteban bannock said he did that as well several times um, you had drivers opening their visors multiple of them opening their visors on their way down the pit lane there was a video of lando doing it there was even a video of max just unclipping his visor um, when, they, when they came in for the final set of pit stops to try and get some air into the cockpit or into their faces
0: oh so max verstappen said how much he struggled and he said there are drivers who are much fitter than him yeah. who looked in an even worse way
1: yeah so Which, I, um we are going there seven weeks later next year we're going there in the last e- week of november
0: first of december is the race yeah
1: and um when they were in qatar last time it was the last week of november and it was cooler but you're in the middle of the desert so there's only so much heat that's going to be lost and yeah, uh,
0: I mean, yeah.
1: changing the wind are changing the airflow and even next year you could be looking at things like that it's something the fia will definitely have to look at
0: but it's something tim that we managed to look at and when i say we i mean myself dan and the American when we put together a calendar and we had a bit of a debate on South Africa and we said you'd have to do it in November because of yeah. the weather.
1: Yeah,
0: It's amazing how three guys can sit in their armchairs and record a podcast and the same thought process doesn't seem to go through the, um, the people who organize the F1 calendar. Now I can't think which um, big um, financial factor might influence that decision, <laughs> But um, hopefully it's a wake up call yeah, to them that, you I know, agree. without these drivers.
1: I don't know if it's if we're looking at regionalising the races, could you stick it with the Bahrain and the Saudi Grand Prix in February, February or March rather? Um,
0: I'd, I'd happily do a blooming Middle Eastern cluster to get them out of the way. Plus, I quite like this track. I think it lends itself to good racing naturally, just like Bahrain. Saudi yeah. Arabia, good racing, despite the artific- fact it's all artificial. And, I mean, Abu Dhabi, well, at least they improved it slightly. Get those yeah. four out the way, and then let us have a proper season finale
1: in... In Brazil. Brazil. <laughs> or Suzuka. <laughs> <laughs> Brazil, although Suzuka. we're probably yeah. too right into the wet season in Suzuka now for a season finale.
0: Yeah, I mean, although we did, nearly did get a talk decider in Suzuka, um, thanks to Perez's lack of ability from miami anyway tim shall we talk about sergio because you've got a few things to say here and i'm gonna have to try and play the uh the devil's advocate here. yeah we're gonna have to play good cop him. and
1: bad cop and i am gonna be the bad cop here so uh this is actually before this weekend but i have included this weekend in the statistics because it's rather damning for sergio
0: <laughs> i will first of all say that this weekend out of the outside of the sprint race oh i well, say this weekend the grand prix i would not count towards anything in statistics because I feel that some drivers have just struggled more in these conditions and I don't think that's the fault of the driver. Well
1: these maybe it would contribute towards fit. the maybe these it will ex- towards the circumstances I'm about to give you.
0: It's probably contributes, but I but I will completely ignore anything from this weekend because these are some of the f- most you know f- these are the fittest athletes on the planet really. These guys are fighter pilots. That's what they are. Like uh, this is the level they're trained to Um but yeah. Sergio Perez from Miami, Tim. Take it away.
1: So um I saw a stat the other day. Actually, no, it must include this race because it was twelve races, which is what we've had from after the Miami Grand Prix. So not including Miami, where Sergio qualified first and came second. This is from the Miami Grand Prix and or the race after the Miami Grand Prix until now, which uh is Qatar. And the initial stat that I just saw was the average qualifying positions of Gasly in his 12-race stint at Red Bull, which is the same amount of races as Perez has done since Miami, Albon in his 17 races for Red Bull in 2020, and Perez this season in his 12 races since Miami. And it was the average qualifying position. And it really stuck out to me. So in 12 races in 2019, Gasly had an average qualifying position of 825 Albon had an average qualifying position of 7.35 on the grid. Since Miami, after the flag in Miami, Perez's average qualifying position over 12 races is 9.91 up until this weekend. And which, this is in the most dominant Red Bull car, the most dominant car that Red Bull has had out of those three seasons, by quite a way, which I don't think anyone can disagree with.
0: Which is why I have to say of those stats there, even though Albon is slightly ahead of Gasly in those stats, Gasly was the one that was the most impressive because that was the third fastest car on the grid when Gasly had the controls, as opposed to a comfortable second fastest car on the grid in 2020.
1: Ah, we will get into that because there's a Verstappen comparison coming up.
0: Oh, there's no... What do you mean he qualified an average position of first? Well done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but when you look at it in the Gasly and Albon... stakes um as well comparison. So in that time, the twelve races for gasly Gasly average qualified eighth. Verstappen average qualified three point eight. So let's call it fourth. Albon across that season averaged qualifying seventh. Verstappen average qualifying third. And Verstappen averaged qualifying since Miami of one point (laughs) four. Two races where he's been qualified second and the Singapore Grand Prix where he qualified fifth.
0: Sorry, what was it when Albon was in the car? Yeah, uh, When Albon average? was
1: in, when Albon in the car, the Stappen's average was 3.06 and Albon's was 7.35
0: qualifying. Oh, I, thought you, I thought you said 3.6. No. I was gutted. I was <laughs> not gutted. Quite, I was gonna not great, not terrible. Yeah, not great, not <laughs>
1: terrible. <laughs> but not quite, yeah, so, terrible. So, so based on those stats, my argument is going to be, why are they keeping Perez for next season?
0: Well, I am going to say one thing here that Perez since Miami well, Perez before Miami was exceptional he did exactly what the t- and he was always in a position where if the team needed him to do something like hold up Hamilton he could do it whereas Albon and Gasly were never in that position second of all what is the one thing Perez has not done since Miami which has been well you know it has not done to this, this level as Gasly And Albon both did throughout their stint in Red Bull.
1: Are you going to bring up the fact about them getting lapped by the second? Or are you going to bring
0: that? I'm going to bring up how often they crashed on their own. Albon had a lot of crashes. He did indeed. A lot. And so did Gasly. The thing with Albon was this was coming at a time when the cost cap was coming in. And if you're going to be fighting for a championship, the last thing you want is someone who's taking two million out of the catering budget every six weeks
1: <laughs> okay I will counter the Albon thing with looking at Perez in the last few races uh, we've, we've said the sprint race wasn't his fault this weekend but if you look did he not cause collisions at both Singapore multiple collisions try to kill Alex Albon and also collisions at Suzuka where yeah, he, he tried to real dive on Kevin Magnuson. Magnus. Kevin Magnuson um yeah so he is getting to the point where Albon was where he is now getting desperate and making mistakes, trying to make up for it is my argument yeah.
0: here. It's desperate. It's desperation. And it is desperation because you know, when you're in the, in the Red Bull meat grinder, you don't, you don't really get a second chance. We've got F1's equivalent of Joe Biden as your team principal. And by that, I mean, a, a, a man who's on the warpath path constantly, who's suffering from probably dementia. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Sorry, that's harsh. I'm trying that's not to a... make. I'm trying not to make the joke that we fucking said we weren't going to make a joke about.
0: <laughs> no, no. You no. brought it
1: up. Now I'm going to take it.
0: <laughs> no, Tim. We don't right, right. discuss
1: too soon. Too soon.
0: Too soon. Too is right. always too soon. Um, yeah, but pretty much, you know. How Marco? Seems like he he forgets the driver's name and he goes, "Well, I'm, I'm, screw this. I'm just going to sack him." And then I won't have to remember his name. I mean, he's probably gone through more junior drivers than Chelsea have gone through players.
1: Yeah, they've probably got as many on loan as well to other teams in the lower <laughs> <Probably>. divisions. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> How's Dan Tixman going? At who? He's one of uh, your drivers, is he? Um, to, quote po- <laughs> to, uh, to quote a... To To quote a... Interview about... What, Nanganang wasn't it? Anyway, oh, we're we'll getting okay. sidetracked. Tim. Yeah.
1: Can I now bring you into this the race point scored over the same time period and again I'm going to stress Perez is in a much better car compared to the rest of the field than than both Gasly and Albon were so in the 12 races that Gasly had he had a a quite measly I will admit 63 points scored and it was an average of five points a race which or 5.25 points a race which is not great on the surface Um, you then remember that in those 12 races And how often have we seen this from a Perez Red Bull this season? Was two mechanical failures, one crash that was his fault and one crash that was not his fault.
0: Uh, The answer to that, I believe there's been one mechanical failure for Perez this season.
1: Was that since Miami? Since Miami, yeah. Uh, Since Miami, okay. So you could argue that... And even then, he wasn't
0: running... uh, And even then, to back your point up, he wasn't really running competitively.
1: Yeah, okay. So if you're going to... Increased the average. Uh, both both of the times that he had mechanicals, he was running in the points but not right at the front. So you could probably add points for two of those races. Mm. You then had Alex Albon, and admittedly, I didn't look at how many um retirements he had because it was a lot easier to do. what Say the a whole races season. that he finished. <laughs> it was a lot easier to go for a whole season. Oh, sorry, in mm. that time, so Gasly scored sixty-three points, Max scored one hundred and eighty-one. So he's at three times what. Gasly was scoring, with Gasly having four retirements in those 12 races. Alex Albon, in the 17 races, scored 105 points at an average of 6.1 points per race. And as Risa said, had several accidents, incidents, failures, two collisions with Lewis, one at Brazil and one at Austria, which were both not his fault. And Max scored 214 points. So Max is actually scoring just more than double what Albon is scoring. Since Miami, excluding sprint races, because for those who are Drive to survive, viewers, there wasn't sprint races until 2022. (laughs) Um, So I've taken out all of the sprint race points that Max would have earned and that Perez would have earned. So since Miami, Perez has got 104 points excluding sprint races. And Max has scored 309 points excluding sprint races. So basically, if you take out the two mechanical errors or or one of the crashes or the two mechanical errors that Gasly had, Perez is performing worse than Albon did across the season and then all oh, across the 12 races and then also performing uh, probably about the level of Gasly.
0: I just I just want to come here and say just the Alex Albon thing. He actually only had one retirement during a race in 2021 and yeah. that was the Eiffel Grand Prix.
1: Oh, yes. The uh, the one at the uh, when Ricardo got his podium.
0: I believe so. Yeah, that was the one. In the um, Renault. He also only had four finishes outside the points. For Albon. Albon.
1: Yeah. So my argument here, the point of these stats, is that I don't know how with three drivers that Red Bull obviously think could be in the car for 2025 because they wouldn't be giving Ricardo another season ahead of Lawson if they didn't think there was a potential for Ricardo to show what he has to move back up. Mm. Why do you not have all three drivers in your cars next year? If you're going Senoda, Ricardo and Lawson, what, why are you giving Perez another year? Can
0: point? I share... I'll share theory number one. Theory number one... It's a blip. It's a blip. OK. Um. We saw it with Bottas. He struggled. Not to the extent of Perez, granted. But maybe he just needs to see the right person to keep himself in the headspace. Two. Yeah, theory number two. Perez is seasoned in Formula One. He's negotiated deals with teams to keep himself in Formula One, even when he's had a poor season like he did at McLaren. Now, Red Bull contracts are a nightmare. We know that. The best driver that Red Bull have had in that car alongside Max Verstappen has been Daniel Ricciardo, and he left on his own accord. What's the odds that Perez has just got better lawyers who was able to draw up a better contract that's a bit more watertight that means he will actually stay in that car for the rest of the term or be paid Quite the hefty release fee.
1: Potentially, um, this is definitely. I feel like this has got more weight than your first theory. But it's if lit. you are a company the size of Red Bull with the money that Red Bull have, and given what we saw, that there is a precedent for giving a driver a big payoff, which is what McLaren did last year, and look how that is playing out now with Piastri beating Norris. Who would have thought at the start of the season that Piastri would be beating Norris To podiums before the end of the year on a, and and consistently racing side by side with him or just behind him or occasionally beating him I I, I, I don't it's the best performance from a rookie that I've seen in a long time and it's it's showing that if you give a young guy a chance again in a in a a front running car, they can take it to the establishment they can take it to the guys that are already there you saw Piastri beat Verstappen at the weekends and yeah they might not have a driver that could beat Verstappen on his day but you might have a driver that will be a hell of a lot closer
0: that's true um theory number three it doesn't matter how much money you have as, at Red Bull. When your second driver is backed by the eighth richest man in the world with a net worth of 78 billion, it's a bit hard to say no.
1: I will concede that. I was going to go with when your driver is backed by a Central American drug lord. But we can take your diplomatic. <laughs> we can take your diplomatic approach, Reese. Hey,
0: look, it's all <laughs> agriculture. OK,
1: it's agriculture. agriculture. Supporting the farmers. Um
0: <laughs> exactly you gotta support the farmers
1: know who else fair trade cocaine for the world no,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> no uh.
1: and we're off the air in mexico <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were never on the air in mexico uh
1: yeah because i keep bashing to their perez uh
0: no I, I mean there are reasons to keep perez absolutely you know glaring reasons one of course you know sporting point it could be a blip to loyalty he blooming I mean, did do a lot for verstappen that year to get the title three being um of course the contract potentially being better than that of albert and Gatsley. and four being you know um the the special um the special agriculture money there's lots of ways you can look at this and say why is he still there but you've got daniel ricardo looked sharp ever since getting back into formula one Yuki Tsunoda, even though this is probably the worst AlphaTauri he's had to deal with, I'd say it's been his best and most consistent season. And Liam Lawson has absolutely shone in what? The four races he's had an opportunity? Uh, yeah. Even Christian Horner is, well, I say even Christian Horner, he's always full of praise for Red Bull drivers, usually for Um But as you would be when he keeps winning, he's been absolutely full of praise for Liam Lawson. Um yeah. and you do wonder why, why, why not? Um
1: yeah, why not why not give someone even if you give them a one year contract and you say if it doesn't work out, you could be back in the Alpha Towery in twenty twenty five. If if you're Lawson, for example I wouldn't
0: put Lawson in the Red Bull because we've seen what happens when they
1: promote drivers too fast. Would you put Sonoda in there then? Because I'd I I do not i a long time. To, I think Ricardo needs to prove that he's still got it. He looked decent. In the races that he did. But it wasn't enough of a sample size.
0: It's all coming down to the year after. I think the year after you will see Ricardo in there. I think as good as Lawson is. They will not put him in a Red Bull in 2025. Just categorically. He won't. He will have a seat in 2025. There's no way he doesn't. But he's only got one option for this uh, upcoming season. And he's already turned it down apparently. He's already said he's not considering Williams.
1: But I think that's because he's looking at this. And he's going... If six, seven races into next season, Perez is still floundering, are they going to promote an Alpha Tauri driver and am I going to be back in the Alpha Tauri seat, having not been locked into a contract elsewhere? And if I'm Lawson, that's what I'm looking for. I, I would, given I know that. You might say the Williams is the faster car at the moment, and you might say that Sargent is struggling and Albon's showing what it can do on a regular basis. I honestly believe that Lawson, will, he, he's spoken so much about Red Bull have supported him, they've stuck by him. He, he's not one of those that's been dropped and brought back to the system. He's actually someone that, in Formula 3 and in Formula 2, has taken a year or two each time to get going. And Red Bull have said every time, yeah, we believe in you, you're going to be one of our guys of the future, which... We, we've seen the Red Bull meat grinder. We've seen what it's done to everyone from Buemi to Kvyat, to Borde, to Al DJ Harmi, Al by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> to, to Brendan Hartley, who's friend of the podcast, Brendan Hartley. We've seen what it's top done. Top bloke, it's, sorry. Yeah, we've seen, as I said, friend of the podcast. We've yeah, seen, so absolutely top bloke. We've seen what it's done to so many drivers, and that's not including the list of drivers who they've dropped while in F2. You mentioned Dan Ticton earlier on. Yes, he's got his mental problems but a a, a brilliantly quick driver on his day and they've never turned their back on Lawson when he's had his struggles through F3 and F2 and when he's had his poor weekends or even not competing to win a championship season finishes and there's a sense of loyalty in that so I I fully I actually agree with Lawson's decision right now because I think Lawson thinks he's going to be back in the Red Bull car before the middle of next season and it's based on what Perez is doing
0: I get that, but I, I feel like. I mean, we saw it with Nick DeVries. They spat him out, and he, some people wanted
1: DeVries, some people didn't. And it, Horner was the one who just said, Yeah, I got it wrong with DeVries. No, no, it wasn't. It was Marco who said he got it wrong. Horner said uh, he didn't want DeVries, and Marco only. Over- oh, that's it. it. Yeah, no. Horner didn't want DeVries. Marco got it wrong. Um, and France Tost didn't want DeVries either, because France Tost wanted Logan Sire. Sart- no, didn't want. He wanted um Colton Herter from Unicar. He wa- yeah. And and the FIA put a spanner in the works there. Who's the better driver, Colton Herter or De Vries? That's a decision for another day or a discussion for another day. But
0: Well, it's a very short discussion. It's, uh, it's Colton Herter.
1: Exactly. Um, but, but he doesn't qualify for a super licence because he wasn't in F2, which is ridiculous. I struggle to see the long-term benefit to Alpha AlphaTauri, to Red Bull and the careers of the four drivers in, well, the three drivers that... Red Bull clearly see as there being one of them as their potential Red Bull driver in the future, other than maybe several million pounds, which Red Bull can afford, regardless of what you think of Red Bull. Yeah, like they, they they can afford they they can afford more than what McLaren paid Danny Rick.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, we say that we don't know how good that contract is from Perez. It could be like pay us back every single penny we've ever invested in you. Um <laughs> at which point you'd be like, oh shoot. That's a lot of silverware, and yeah, I completely agree. Liam Lawson deserves a seat in Formula One. Unfortunately, there's certain people who are wasting said seat. Uh, I know we were going to take. I said I'm taking the race out of consideration when I say about people's performance. But Lance Stroll this weekend, uh, the other thing that has to be said was he got knocked out in Q one of both sprint and regular qualifying. And uh, after regular qualifying, his own trainer came up to him. I don't know. Exactly what happened, but then it led to the two walking off a little bit and then Stroll, you know, lashing out and pushing him, shoving him away. You may have set an example and, you know, everyone wanted to throw a book at Verstappen when he pushed Ocon. last Stroll pushing his trainer, right? I thought it was completely out of order. And it's lucky it's Daddy's team because if it wasn't Daddy's team, there's absolutely no way... I mean, if you're talking about people who are underperforming in comparison to their teammate, uh, Fernando Alonso has completely shown up Lance Stroll all season long since maybe Australia.
1: Yeah, um, I do agree. I actually, and maybe we saw it with how Stroll said he had the blurred vision and saw said that he struggled with the conditions. I actually think that Lance Stroll, when you look at his career, some of the hits that he has taken probably... The one that sticks always, I always come back to is the hit in, that he took in Mugello back in 2020. And I've said this that on the podcast huge. before. He came back and the weekend after, he drove, I think it was back to back races or maybe it was a two week gap. And he was told by a doctor after that race he shouldn't have raced the race that he came back after that hit. And I am, if you look at his career and his performances in not the biggest cars, not the best cars, in underperforming cars, since Before Mugello and then since Mugello, and maybe this is another spreadsheet that I can do for a future podcast, but I'm convinced that if you went back through it, you would see that as the drop off. And since then, he has had hit after hit after hit, probably one or two a season of big impacts, big collisions, usually involving no one else. And I think that the physical stress and the physical toll that that is having on his body, and we saw it yesterday, he knew he needed the ambulance straight away. and I didn't, other than Sergeant, who had thrown up and wasn't very well, I'm convinced that Stroll, knew, Stroll knows he's got an issue. And the rumours of him retiring, I suspect his health is going to be a massive part of that as well. I don't think it's all down to actually a lack of ability that he ever had. I think it's a lack of ability that all of these collisions, all of these hits are adding up and they're just affecting him more and more. Every time he takes another one, it seems to drop off even worse.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one because of course he is a driver that's always shown flashes. Since that Mugello hit, of course there was the Turkish Grand Prix in that year where he put the car on pole position. There have been flashes,
1: but since the end of 2020, where have the flashes been? The race that Perez won was that in 2021, or was that 20? That was 2020, wasn't it? When he got the podium at Sakir on the on the and even that he was mild. Like Perez started was at the back of the grid and he passed his teammate halfway through the race. I almost think that he, for himself, whether it's a year break, whether it's a retirement from racing and he goes into something else, he just needs, I think he needs to stop racing. And there might come a point when he has an accident and he either seriously injures himself or someone else. And he actually gets told, no, you have to stop, whether it's by medics, whether it's by the sport. And I'd hate for it to come to that. I I think that definitely right now it's not there.
0: Going back to your point on Lance Stroll, and yeah. uh, Mugello, of course, retired in Mugello. But the race that followed Mugello, retired in Russia, withdrawn in the Eiffel Grand Prix, retired yeah. in Portugal, thirteenth in Imola. Then, of course, pole position in Turkey, but dropped down to ninth. Retired yeah, they got in his fire strategy
1: wrong, didn't they?
0: Yeah, retired in Bahrain. But then you saw Sakir third place with yeah. Stroll. and then you saw it. You, you talk about flashes this season. Bahrain that was a in my opinion that was a flash there's no way Lance Stroll should have put that performance in after that injury
1: I will also say with Bahrain where were McLaren in Bahrain where were Ferrari in Bahrain where were the other team the Aston Martin in comparison to every other car on the grid other than Red Bull was the better car in Bahrain across that weekend and maybe it was but Lance Stroll came into
0: that race having done no testing
1: Yeah, but maybe the car was just that far ahead of the Mercedes and the Ferraris and the McLarens and the rest of the grid at that point, that the raw talent that he does still have was enough to get him, was it fifth place he finished in Bahrain, I think? Yeah, it was fifth. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, great. And also, you might be, he might have gone into that weekend fresh off the fact that he hadn't done a race for a while and with a point approved to, to say, right, I need to show them that I can race this weekend and maybe that gave him something extra. Because, yeah, we were, we were all sitting here waxing lyrical about him over Bahrain and I think the only other time he's beaten Alonso in a straight fight since was um, Barcelona. And oh, Alonso yeah. said, I'm going to sit here and not pass you because the team needs the points when he could have driven pa- straight past him.
0: I don't know if that was completely true. I think that Alonso had given in his back pocket that day. Um, but you say about flashes and stuff like that. You, you say, oh yeah, but he had the superior car in Bahrain. Well, what about the lot about last season when that Aston Martin was a dog of a car? He still dragged it to sixth in Singapore. Granted, you know there wasn't much outside of a tenth place finish for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, but but he's still capable of the one one race here or there. But in that Aston Martin, he should be doing better.
0: Um, oh yeah, compared to Alonso, he's nowhere near. But
1: yeah. Uh, he,
0: I, I'm I'm not trying to defend joy because I, I I have the mindset that if he wasn't, you know,
1: if it wasn't daddy's team, he, uh, he, he wouldn't have this drive anymore. I'm defending him from, a, I'm not defending the, the results because I don't think he should be in the car next season based on the results. But I am defending the reason for those results and the reason that I shouldn't be, that he shouldn't be in the car. Yeah. And I think that the reason he shouldn't be in the car should have a lot more understanding and sympathy then oh he's a shit driver which is what you get countless people on social medias countless people who talk about F1 in their day-to-day lives they see oh he's that far down the grid in qualifying that far down the grid in the race oh his daddy's money got him into the sport yes his daddy's money helped him get into the sport but he's the second youngest podium sitter in a dog shit Williams he, he's <laughs> the third youngest pole, um front robe sitter and I think like the fifth or sixth youngest pole sitter isn't he he's, he's yeah, he they was. he had it at the start of his career that
0: he could he, he was never going to be the driver that went from, you know, oh, he got his lucky break and he's done to be at the front of the grid, work for machinery, he put, if you put him in some good machinery. He was never going to be that guy. He was always going to be that mid-table driver. But the thing is with Lance Stroll, when you saw him come into the sport and we go, oh, look, he's crashed in practice. He's crashed in practice. Oh, he's crashed in practice again. Oh, he's crashed in testing. Aha, uh-huh, this is hilarious. Oh, look, he's doing laps in a in a Formula One car that's three years old so he can get some mileage and learn how to drive drive these things to think where he came from to being the youngest podium sitter in Formula One at the time when you think at the time well I don't know he still is is he not no Verstappen no I'm sure Lance made his debut after Verstappen
1: yeah but Lance is younger than Verstappen
0: Yeah, exactly. But Lance, no, but Lance made his debut in twenty seventeen. Verstappen had already won a race by then. Uh,
1: Lance is the second youngest. He was the second youngest at the time then, only by twelve days though. Who from? Verstappen. Verstappen was 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 eighteen years seven months and fifteen days, and Lance was eighteen years seven months and twenty seven days.
0: But still, to go from the guy who literally had a website about how much he was going to crash, to, you know, the second youngest podium sitter. You look at the other guys who have struggled when they've come into the sport. You look at Logan Sargent. You look at Mick Schumacher. You look at Latifi. You look at De Vries. Um, what's De Vries. You look at uh, Mazaspin. You know these guys who, you know, some of these have been comical. Oh look, he's terrible. He's going to keep crashing. Like some of them not comical because no one wanted Mick Schumacher to keep crashing. It was funny when Mac, um, when Mazapin did it. It wasn't funny when Mick did it. It's become one of these things that like he has always shown these flashes, and he was not a waste of a seat then yeah but now but now he is because when you look at who his junior is who the guy below him is in that team it's the formula 2 champion felipe dragovich
1: yeah exactly so the reigning f2 champion is sitting there at the start of his career and lance stroll taking a seat at what feels like the end of his career or at least a career that needs a break
0: it, it feels like lance Charles is going to retire before fernando alonso
1: that wouldn't surprise me uh, again though i could see lance and I could also see Lance going to maybe not an IndyCar series, but a sports car series and doing really, really well. I, I think he's that, yeah, an endurance racing driver or a, a, a driver where you can still drive at high speed in a series, but not have to deal with the mental toll of being in the Formula One spotlight every week and also the physical toll of being on the edge with those G forces and taking those hits week in, week out.
0: Don't be surprised if one day you read that Lance Joel has won the 24 Hours of Le Mans, is pretty much what we're saying.
1: Oh, in an Aston Martin designed by Adrian <laughs> Newey, which is coming in two years time, by the way, boys and girls. <laughs> what an exciting prospect that is. An Aston Martin, in. Um. so Adrian Newey designed a concept car when Red Bull and Aston Martin had their partnership. And Aston Martin are now going to put that into production and enter it in the hypercar series.
0: It's going to be nuts. But uh, this is the thing. Lance Stroll is that driver that you look at with where could Liam Lawson fit in? You'd go, well, that seems like the one that makes sense. If you're not going to get with of Logan Sargent, he won't take Logan sink. seat. But if you're Red Bull, you send
1: Perez to that seat, give him a drive, and you get to keep the, the young you driver or one of the drivers in your family. But does then Perez want to go back to dealing with Papa Stroll and the team that booted him after they won him a race? It's-
0: this sounds. This sounds like a Brad Pitt movie. This does. He's struggled. <laughs> He's come from the fastest team to the worst team on the grid. Of course, oh, not the worst
1: God. team anymore. And with the with the veteran driver there to help him.
0: <laughs> exactly. Mind you, I'm just going to say I'm going to say one thing right now. We laugh about um, the worst team on the grid and stuff like that. Um, we've walked for a long time. We've said it's uh, Alpha Tower. Um, sorry, Alfa Romeo. Um, who got double points this weekend, Tim?
1: Getting the bot ass. <laughs> <laughs> thank your uh, pardon <laughs> yep the bodies get in the bodies
0: <laughs> yeah get in the get in the bottas, he said Um he was, as on, well. he was
1: on fire wasn't he Valtteri, three all weekends i mean he nearly was with the temperatures in the car uh um he complained about the we're talking about drivers that he complained on the radio about the conditions at the end of the race but yeah uh brilliant weekend for them they were so have you seen the video of them back in their motorhome or their team home for the weekend after it and Mm. every single mechanic and every single hospitality personnel and every single linked person to that team had the biggest smiles on their faces and it it was because it was I think it was double points as well again Lance Stroll's penalty getting Joe the 10th place
0: Mm. um I just want to play a bit yeah tin hat here Uh, other than Fernando Alonso's hot bum message i didn't really hear much in the race until logan sergeant retired about the conditions but it was an issue throughout and i just wonder yeah. if drivers did complain more and if it just wasn't put on the world
1: feed so for the ocon example he said on his in-lap he i didn't haven't tell him. told you this but yeah. i fixed in my helmet on lap 15 so maybe the drivers didn't want to show Weakness in that moment—that's the very driver mentality I think to have would be to not show it, and
0: you don't want to look weak. Yeah, but when you saw when you watched all these guys do their interviews after the race, uh, you, it was universal. Feel, it was yeah, they all looked terrible. I mean, have you seen the you've seen the video of, of Lewis going over to to George and going hey, well done today, and George Russell going oh, I'm sorry about the start, and then Lewis almost said don't apologise, it was my fault yeah um you know but when you saw george in in that video he looked awful
1: yeah he looked awful he he still looked awful when he was um talking to sky as well which was a good 45 minutes to an hour after the race probably when that happened and because he was one of the last ones to go there yeah it's tricky conditions And hopefully when we go back to Qatar in the end of November, start of December next year, we'll have tyres that work. The conditions will be cooler. And do you know what? I love, if if it wasn't for the heat, I would love the physical test and the physical, the physicality of that racetrack. I think it's wide, it's modern, it's got, I know you might not like, it's it got safe runoff that's gravel track. Like, I love a gravel trap. All... I, I am a, a big
0: fan track. of a gravel trap. I'm okay. just going to say right now, because we do need to do reps up because we've gone for quite a while, and Dan's going to have a lot of energy to do, even if the podcast isn't that long. Oh, the, the, start of time of about a, the
1: start time. of this was an absolute mess. You won't have heard it. but
0: <laughs> oh, We didn't even record the first 20 minutes because of how much of a mess we were. Um, but I'm just going to say right now, we touched on it earlier. Um, the 18-lap stints, and the fact that drivers to do qualifying laps over and over and over again, I feel like in a management race, Verstappen cruises to a win of 20, 25 seconds, no matter how good Piastri is. With the fact that they had to do mandatory pit stops every 18 laps and they were pushing and pushing and pushing. I think that led to closer, better racing because guys were going, I need to go as fast as I can. And so you need to be out of my way so I can go as fast as I can.
1: We've seen in qualifying this season how close is qualifying week in, week out when all the cars are at the limit or all the cars are on the edge. We've, we've seen it week in, week out. We've seen the Ferraris and the Hasses when they don't have to worry about tyre wear. I know the Hasses still fell apart anyway this week um, because of the heat. But we, we've seen that you can it's so close when the cars are all at their maximum performance. And yes, the Red Bull is still the fastest car, but it's a damn sight closer than, than, it, than it is over 50, 60 laps of management. And yeah, I fully agree. Um, I also, just mentioning the tyres, I love the discrepancy in the fall off, the ultimate speed of the soft tyre mm. and the long lastingness of the medium tyre in the sprint races. That is what I want to see in a tyre discrepancy. I want to see a soft tyre that can be two, three seconds a lap quicker, but only last 10 laps. and then falls apart i i I then want to see a hard tyre that might be three to four seconds a lap slower but could go through the entire race without you having to stop (laughs) and and the medium tyre probably two seconds like if you could have a two second two to three second gap between all of the tyre compounds but have a soft tyre that falls apart after 10 laps i think that would be brilliant
0: this I was saying the fact that drivers had to push and do these laps i would love to see a race where they go all right silverstone mandatory race like you know mandatory longest stint you can do 18 laps i reckon you would get an absolute belter of a race Uh,
1: i don't know about minimum stint you maximum stint you can do because that would in most cases eliminate a hard tire and you, oh, I, I want hate the I want hard tyre. No, but I want the strategy to be worth it. So, what I would like is I would like a rule along the lines of let's say you've got three compounds at a weekend, like you have now. In the race, you have to use every compound for at least 10 laps.
0: The channel
1: rule. Yeah, you have to use every compound, so all three compounds for at least 10 laps and increase the difference between the compounds.
0: Will you say that. There have been races we've gone to where they go, oh shoot, the soft tires only give for seven laps. You know, I I would say, yeah, use all three tires. I think that would be a uh, brilliant. But, but, at the the, same but time, what you, just...
1: what you would end up with if you would end up people who wear the, use the soft tire in some races for lap one, and then pit, or you would end up with, oh, I'm going to just pit for the hard tire on the last lap when I'm 40 seconds ahead and I'm Max Verstappen. I don't I don't think that. I honestly believe that you need a minimum stint length for all three types of tyres to be worn. Otherwise, you're going to have one lap on the softs at the start of an end of a race or one lap on a hard at the start of the end of the race, and it will defeat the object.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. But I think you've also got to take in consideration that there are going to be times where someone might have fewer tyres, get a puncture or or something like that. Or or the fact that, you know, the guys who are slower down have to use their soft tyres more or... Or, or, or often run out of tyres and, and f1's trying to go cost neutral and get over get over the facts um what i'd like to see which is just a good way of um of just you know doing things it, we all hated do you remember when remember when you used to get freedom choice of tyre when you qualified out of the top 10 and so drivers would say it was a good thing i qualified 11th yep <laughs> That's up there with how annoying the words well managed are at the end of a race. I feel like if a, anyone comes on the radio and says "Well managed, that driver should be disqualified from the
1: race <laughs> <laughs> well managed max uh, you you won your championship by managing
0: well well he has won his, he has won his championship by managing um but could you could you just imagine if you just go well managed, oh you idiot, and he's out uh he's like it just the the, the worst world managed i hate it about football i feel like your pinnacle sport, and just go as fast as you can i feel like you would make the sport so much i mean this was enjoyable because you saw the guys on the, on the limit you saw mistakes being made in the early parts of the race because the guys were pushing yeah they were pushing and th- this is the thing you just you've taken pre- the way that not having refueling and Pirelli making the tires in a certain way has taken away the <laughs> the need to push. You will never see another Schumacher in Monaco, you,
1: you, or uh, see... um, Alonso versus Schumacher at Imola. It's the one that I always think back to.
0: Yeah, both guys had to go on the limit, like push everything. You know, you don't get it. Like it's like yeah, crossover um, in tires is brilliant, but let's have it so guys are pushing like crazy, and the strategy crossover isn't one or two stop; it's three or four stop
1: yeah there were a lot of arguments against the tyre war, but a tyre war with tyres where you could push them every lap would push the other manufacturers to have to do the same mm. if, otherwise you lose the tyre war. Yeah. yeah I agree um yeah anyway,
0: we really do need to wrap it up um because yeah. um yeah it's it's that <laughs> it's that point where we've recorded for so long Dan's gonna be like oh my goodness how am I gonna edit this uh, but speaking of wrapping things up, uh, I got a text on the on the weekend from my girlfriend asking, can we decorate the house for Christmas? And I said, no, absolutely not. It's still October. Are you crazy? But if you are going to wrap something up, then maybe wrap up a gift perfect for any F1 fan brought to you by sponsor of the podcast, Apex Tracks. With some wonderful 3D printed track wall art, you could give a family, friend or loved one exactly what they wanted. 3D printed track wall art, of their favorite racetrack. So for all your 3D printed track wall art needs, head to apextracks.com. That's a p e x t r a x s dot com.
1: And um, I will also add that if you buy them a Qatar Grand Prix track wall art, then next year the race is on the first of December, so you can add that to your Christmas decorations.
0: <laughs> Big smart move. Um, we will just say right now, uh, the Apex tracks are fantastic but they will not be making a... Uh, it, 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 if you buy the track wall art and then the FIA decide to make the track 80 centimetres narrower, <laughs> that may not be replicated on the 3D printed track wall art. Um, anyway, <laughs> until the next time, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, it has just sort of turned into two old mates chatting about F1 for for nearly uh, 80 minutes. I uh, don't know how long this podcast is going to be when it gets out to you, but if you do like uh hearing what you've heard today uh check out our socials you can get involved in the chats which we're in we uh we give each other shit in there too so you can get involved in that too um there's a link in the bio of the podcast that will always have all that information but until next time from me and tim cheerio guys
1: so long